0: I don't know who needs to know this, but during the American Civil Rights Movement, there was a glorious evening when the Klan met its match. Hi, my name is Neerja and today I will tell you a little story about the Lumbee Tribe of North Carolina. For this story, I am indebted to the sources that range from a rather good book called a Blood Done Sign My Name by Timothy Tyson Old articles from local newspapers and magazines like Fayette's well Observer, The Robsonian and Life magazine, these are all readily available online in archive format and even Wikipedia because if one needs a quick reference, there is nothing like it. Also Lumbee people had their own website, LumbeeTribe.com, and I devoured that source as well. With that, let me tell you how Lumbees confronted the Ku Klux Klan. Lumbee tribe is the largest state tribe in North Carolina, the largest state tribe east of Mississippi River, and the ninth largest non-federally recognized tribe in the United States. Lumbee take their name from the Lumbee River. They identify themselves as an amalgamation of various Sioux, Algonquin, and Iroqui speaking tribes. It seems that they have always been very inclusive as a tribe and also the kind of people who do not look kindly upon any kind of domination. As a result, we come across incidences and records of all manner of people evading harassment from authority through a long period of time taking shelter with them. There is a record from as early as 1772 telling us about their effort to deny taxes to the colonial government. During the Civil War time, they had a Robin Hood-like person called Henry Lowry. He was of a mixed ancestry and his father and uncle were executed by the Confederate Home Guard. Look him up, it, it, it is in itself quite a tale. We are, however, going to talk about a more uh-huh, recent event, well, recent Year was 1957 and the local KKK had themselves a grand wizard named James Cole. Oh, he used to call himself a grand dragon. He was quite popular among his kind and his rallies used to draw large crowds. I'm telling you this so you will understand the reason of his later delusion. Cole was quite enthusiastic about inciting violence against people of color. In fact, one of the popular after-rally activities for them used to be a whole clan motorcade driving through the black neighborhoods in an obvious attempt to terrorize the neighbors. Another fun activity for them was to send death threats to an African-American doctor in Monroe. Robert Williams was the president of a local NAACP chapter there, and he organized an armed guard group consisting of World War II veterans. Cole held a rally near Monroe, and of course the whole KKK after-party had to happen. So the motorcade rode through the streets to the home of the doctor, shooting guns and hollering, hoping to scare people, especially the doctor and his family. Instead, the guards shot back. Timothy Tyson describes it in his book, Clansmen ran head-on into a hail of disciplined gunfire. Williams and his friends fired from behind earthen entrenchments and sandbag fortification and sent the clans fleeing for their lives. One of the men recalled, when we started firing, they ran. Them clans hauled it and never did come back to our place. So where did they go? According to Mr. Tyson, his manly honor in tatters, Cole retreated to southeast North Carolina to rebuild his following. Oh, and by the way, the city government in Monroe banned Klan motorcades the next day after this whole shooting accident. Meanwhile, Robson County was the place Cole set his eyes on. There, Cole began a campaign of harassment against the Lumbee, claiming that their race mixing was against the segregationist order of South. So, Fayetteville Observer reports, the clan had long been quietly present in the area. Each weekend, rolling cars of clansmen, some still in their hoods, were a common sight in that small town. Lily McCoy, a former mayor who grew up watching the caravan from her uncle's store just outside town, attests to this. Just like when his laser focus had been on Dr. Perry in Monroe, Here he found another target, a woman of Lumbee ancestry who was, oh horrors, living in a white neighborhood and in Cole's fertile imagination was also having an affair with a white man. So he incited his followers, warning them against evils of race mixing and loose morals of Lumbee women, and according to Mr. Tyson, Ava Gardner Eastern North Carolina's own homegrown movie star. Why? Because the gossip of the day was that she was in relationship with Sammy Davis Jr. That's why. You cannot make this up. So in January 1958, they burned a cross in front of the house of the Lumbee woman's family. Then he organized a rally and cross burning on January 18th, 1958 at a private field near Hayes next to the town of Maxton. Cole bragged that 500 clansmen from across the Carolinas would gather to remind those Indians of their place. Fayetteville observer quips, he was right about the number, just not about which side they would be on. Other than complete idiocy, I'm not really sure why you would hold a rally in a place like that says Stan Nick, and this is from Fayette Observers, very good uh, report that I'm getting this from. Stan Nick, director of UNC Pembroke Native American Resource Center says, Other than complete idiocy, I'm not really sure why you would hold a rally in a place like that. You wouldn't hold a Klan rally in Harlem, would you? Nick went on to explain in the article, To most of these guys, meaning the clan people, it was the same old thing. They didn't differentiate between the Indian and the black population. They figured to have their usual show and go home. That underestimation was a critical blunder. Why? Because heading the Lumbee chapter of Veterans of Foreign Wars was Simon Oxendine who had come home after flying more than 30 missions against Germans in World War II as a waste gunner on B-17. When he heard that there was a truck with loudspeaker announcing the rally at Hayes Pond location with the intention of putting Indians in their place, all he said was, well, we'll see about that. At this time, Cole was actually warned by the local law enforcement authorities and others to not mess with Lumbee people Robson County Sheriff McLeod personally asked Cole to reconsider, but Cole thought he knew better. Thing is, those 500 clansmen did not show up. I suppose they knew better too. Only about 50 people showed up to the field. They erected a wooden pole cross because what would be a clan rally without cross burning? There was even a little public address system for coal to feel important, but there was only one sad light bulb as the source of light. And then they saw hundreds of Native Americans gathered across the road on the sides of the field, mostly Lumbee, but others too had come, and a whole lot of them were veterans. As KKK people watched, more and more armed Indian kept joining the group around the their little shindig. Law enforcement was there too, just a little distance away. And Sheriff McLeod asked Cole one last time to shut this rally and go home. But he got a earful full of tirade from him in return. So that was that. And Tyson describes, when Cole began to speak, a Lumby rushed and smashed that light bulb with his rifle barrel. Then hundreds of Indians let out a thunderous whoop and Fayette's well-observer reports because they had uh, first-person accounts from some of the attendees. And this report takes this home. Then, Then the first shot was fired, a shotgun blast that shattered the only light in the field. That was enough for the most of clansmen as dozens of Indians shot into the air, peppering the field with birdshot, dozens of clansmen scattered into the woods Cole was among them, leaving his wife behind. In a panic, she drove their car into a ditch where several Indians helped push her out. The only thing they left behind was their stuff and their families. One of the attendees named Little Turtle said. The state patrol, who had been waiting about a mile away, moved in when gunfire broke out. Sheriff McLeod, who later said he didn't want to be accused of defending the clan by showing up early, (laughs) helped find lost clansmen in the bushes and directed them out of Robson County. He also booked one clansman for public drunkenness, the only arrest that night. Then they held one last clan parade into Maxton, the um, Lumbee tribe did. Some rode in cars and pickups, other marched. The parade and celebration ended with a bonfire of all the clan material in Pembroke, where they burned an effigy of coal. After that, I don't think I ever saw those cars drive by again with their lights on inside, McCoy says, says not once. And coal, well... He became persona non grata because, you see, Klan's rout at the hands of Lumbees was highly publicized with headlines like bad medicine for the clan and Redskins, Boop Lumbee victory. Cole was arrested and convicted. He served a two-year prison sentence for inciting a riot. He moved away, tried becoming an unlicensed detective, tried having a print shop, tried coming back to North Carolina, got bandaged, then got arrested again, and finally died in a car accident. I don't know who needed to know this but now you do.